Hello and welcome to the official podcast of the Australian Securities and Investments Commission. Financial services regulators around the world strive to provide a level playing field, promote choice and increase participation in our markets. But does consumer protection require a line in the sand when it comes to what products and services can or should be marketed to consumers? My name's Sean Hughes. I'm a commissioner at ASIC and joining me here today to discuss the balance between consumer choice and consumer protection is the chair of the European Securities and Markets Authority, Stephen Mayor. Welcome, Stephen. We're delighted to have you. Hi, Sean. Very good to, to be here and I'm glad that I can contribute to the podcast. Great. Thanks, Stephen. Now, let's start with the product intervention powers. Here in Australia, ASIC recently welcomed the passage of important reforms that established a product intervention power for ASIC. So Stephen, thinking about your experience at ESMA and looking across the European market, why do you think that product intervention powers are important? Well, Sean, we have product intervention power since uh, January 2018, and we have uh, directly used these powers also in 2018. Uh, we see it basically as a part of the toolkit, one of the toolkits uh, that you can, uh, one of the tools that you can use. Stephen, what particular consumer harms were you seeking to address? What we're seeing in the market was that with binary options, for example, that the uh, 80 or 90 percent of the clients were losing money uh, with those products. We had tried in various ways to improve the situation with warnings, with uh, improved supervision but not with uh, sufficient effectiveness. And that was precisely the reason for using here the product intervention powers in the case of the binary options, a ban uh, on the distribution and, and sales of these products. But I would like to emphasize, it is really a instrument of the last resort. Normally, you would try first with uh, other uh, supervisory tools to address the situation, for example, more transparency, uh, warning the retail consumer or improved supervision. What do you think some of the lessons for us here in Australia are from the European experience, both in terms of the application of the tool, but also the limitations on its use? Well, first of all, I would like to emphasize that uh, looking back at the use of the tool in, in Europe, it's been quite successful. So there's been broad support uh, for us as regulators, European regulators, uh, implementing this measure. And so overall, uh, I think it's been um, quite successful. Uh, where we focused very much on is obviously getting the arguments right, getting the evidence right, uh, because uh, intervening in a market is a heavy measure. Uh, we also know that because of these product intervention powers regarding binary options, and we have also done it to, uh, towards uh, contracts for differences, it really impacts the uh, distributors uh, of those products. And so, for example, some of them had to issue uh, profit warnings. And so you need to be very certain about the reason for doing it. And so we spent quite some time in terms of uh, collecting the evidence and showing that indeed there is significant consumer detriment. And then for the specific case of Europe, we also had to show that it couldn't be solved at a member state level, but that also the intervention at European level was needed. Now, you talked about stability and you talked about appropriate checks and balances on the exercise of the power. What does this say about the traditional tools that regulators have had, such as disclosure and a focus on market integrity? Is this something that is required to add to that toolkit that 
wasn't there before and, and we need to move on and, and modernise our toolkit? Well, I think it's interesting to uh, to look at the argument that this is kind of a very new tool and, and obviously it is seen as a next step in the, in the regulatory toolkit. At the same time, uh, regulators have typically uh, had the possibility already, uh, for example, regarding mutual funds to decide whether a specific mutual fund would be allowed on the market or in some cases where uh, there were fundamental problems with such mutual funds is to uh, threaten or even uh, actually withdraw a license. And so uh, you're right, it is a new instrument, but the notion is that regulators in the financial sector uh, can decide on, on entrance uh, and in some cases or even on withdrawing that, that, that entrance. I think that's already been there for years. Yes. That is an interesting point. You and I were having a discussion earlier today with a financial counsellor who was giving us some examples of where she thinks uh, this power might be quite useful. It seems to me that many of the products we're talking about are legal. They, they, they meet the technical legal requirements of the home state or, or the country that we're talking about. But the product intervention power needs to go a bit further, doesn't it? It needs to find some other hook as to when we will use it, and, and that hook is harm. So what other types of products do you think, uh, in your experience in Europe, could be suitable for the exercise of this power? Well, we, uh, as explained, we have used it in the case of uh, binary options and, and, and CFDs. Obviously, we have a team uh, at ESMA which is monitoring the market, uh, assessing uh, whether there are any harmful new uh, products on the markets that need to be addressed uh, with supervisory tools. But uh, as I said earlier, I really see this as a measure of, of last resort. Uh, and it's also part of the relevant legislation for the product intervention powers is that we first go to uh, other instruments that we have. And as you know, there is already in many countries and including also in the European jurisdictions, many instruments and tools already to ensure that the right product gets to the right client. We have requirements around so-called product governance rules where a uh, manufacturer or distributor of a financial product needs to think about does this fit uh, with the target market um, uh, of this financial product. We have all kinds of requirements around transparency and suitability. So uh, it is a very important tool to have. I'm very happy with the very concrete uh, progress that we have achieved in, in this part of the market. But I would also like to emphasize this will not be uh, the type of instrument that you would use normally on an annual basis or, or even more frequent. It is really uh, reserved for a quite specific situation. Now, ESMA is an, a, a unique body in, in that you have uh, uh, responsibilities and a jurisdiction which goes across, you know, across border, across member states. What are some of the challenges that you have faced when you've been thinking about the use of this power, such as how the products are distributed, for instance? What, what would you be thinking about where it's a product that is operating across member states and perhaps being distributed through uh, other means, through the internet, for instance? There's been uh, some specific challenges in the European situation and, and that to some extent also explains uh, the problems that we're seeing with these products. What we see a lot with the binary options and the CFDs and some of these aggressively sold leveraged products is that it's frequently done cross-border. Uh, first of all, because that is possible, you can do this with call centers, you can do this through um, uh, using the, the internet. 
Uh, but there might also be an element of trying to uh, avoid national legislation by selling the products outside uh, of your own jurisdiction. So that is a specific uh, challenge that, that we are observing as, uh, as Europeans. Subsequently, also in the execution uh, of the product intervention powers, there are some, some quite some uh, additional complexities of being European. We need to translate those decisions in 20 plus uh, languages. And also we had to show, uh, and this is a regulatory requirement, that the European level measure was needed and that it couldn't be addressed uh, by the um, uh, by national measures. Maybe a final point on this, the cross-border element is not only within Europe relevant, but also in any situation with these CFDs. Because what we have seen is that after the, the banning uh, of the binary options and the restrictions on the CFDs is that there were some uh, distributors that moved outside of Europe and started to uh, distribute those products into Europe because knowing that it was more difficult to supervise uh, when they were offered from outside Europe into Europe. So what would you say, Stephen, to critics of this power who say that this is only going to stifle an innovation and, and transfer the risk of the choice of a product from the consumer to the regulator? Well, I think uh, what we have seen in the financial markets that there's too much innovation which is uh, supply-driven, which is producer-driven, where there's a think about a new business line, a, a new line to generate uh, revenues. Of course, I understand that uh, uh, suppliers in this market need to have um, uh, the, the possibility to, uh, to make profits. Uh, what we're not seeing sufficiently uh, in terms of innovation in financial markets, innovation that is really driven by what does the, the client need, what does the consumer need to improve their investments, to improve their investment behavior and to get a better deal. And it is very difficult to see how the product intervention powers in any way would block that type of innovation. Uh, no regulator would block an innovation where it's obviously beneficial to the end client. Yes, And Stephen, um, we've, we've very much appreciated uh, your time and your thoughts today. Just in closing, is there anything that you would advise the Australian regulators in terms of the application of this tool and, and appropriate safeguards around its use? Well, maybe not, not advice. I, I would say that uh, Australia is in a very good position to have a very strong uh, consumer protection in the financial markets. Uh, some years ago I was working at the Dutch regulator. The Dutch regulator wanted to change their structure, was inspired by the Australian situation of the Twin Peaks model. Uh, and so I think it's not for me to advise uh, uh, the Australians. I think you're in a very good position to use those powers. And as I said, it's been a power that has been very effective in the, in the European envir environment. We have seen a reduction, uh, a clear reduction in consumer detriment. Uh, reduction in trading, uh, reduction in number of client accounts, and really also reduction on costs uh, that, that in the past had to be taken by the consumers uh, and now uh, resulted in a better situation. So I would definitely uh, recommend to use these powers. And I guess taking all of that together, what we're all seeking is the same thing. We want a level playing field. We want consumers to have good choice around products that are suitable for them. Absolutely, and, and maybe as a final comment on this, this is also in the interest of the financial sector. And there is no benefit to the financial sector of having a product where there are reputational issues. If at the end of the day, there is a, a large share of the client base, which is losing money, that is also backfiring on the industry. So 
uh, I truly believe that this is a beneficial tool. Thanks so much for your time today, Stephen. We'll be back with another episode of the ASIC podcast shortly. If you have any feedback for us on this podcast, please send a tweet to ASIC Media. We'd love to hear from you.